0: Everybody Dan Holstein here helping your business take flight and I'm really excited today to have Sarah Milton who is a financial educator and author and today we're going to be talking about money mindset and some of the challenges that people run into in terms of uh, attracting wealth and some of the key strategies that we all can implement to make sure that we can attract more wealth into our lives. So Sarah, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. So just uh, give us a little background. How did you get into the uh, financial education uh, role?
1: Uh, well, I started out as a financial advisor with freedom 55 about 10 years ago now. Um, and I worked with them for a while. And while I was working for them, I also had an opportunity to start writing for uh, a finance blog called RetireHappy.ca, mm-hmm. And, um, And then I ended up working with the gentleman who owned the blog. So now I work as a financial education specialist, and uh, my job is to get people excited about money and help them with strategies for earning, growing, and uh, investing their money.
0: That's fantastic. So something you said there just uh, stood out for me. So getting people excited about money, do you find that some people aren't? And is that one of the challenges that they may have around attracting wealth into their lives?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that in the financial services industry, uh, we do too good of a job of making you feel like you need a master's in math and a degree in business in order to manage your money. And it's really not true. Um, And for me, I find that what you focus on expands and so you tend to focus on the things you're excited about but for a lot of people they associate money with things that maybe they're not particularly excited about you know they focus on the math part of it or the investment part of it they tend to push it aside because they don't feel comfortable um, handling it and so I feel that by getting people excited about money you're encouraging them to pay attention to it and what you pay attention to grows, and if you're growing your money, that's a, that's a good thing.
0: That's absolutely a good thing. And you know, if if people think something is difficult, often they they may avoid it even to their own detriment. So, what are some of the the beliefs that people have around money that you find that makes them think it's it's you know growing their wealth is difficult?
1: Um, money. Te- uh, sorry, people tend to think that money is. Equivalent to math, so they feel like if they're not very good at math or they didn't enjoy math, then um, they're naturally not very good at money. Um, people also have the misconception that you're either good or bad with money. Um, money is a skill, just like anything else. You know, I'm if I want to be good at cooking, then I need to spend some time. With recipes and practicing and learning the different skills in order to be a decent cook. It's not something, well, not for me anyway, it's not something that comes naturally. And and money is no different, but we don't teach money in school. We don't give kids in college strategies for managing the credit cards they get in their fresh bags, you know? So it's not really surprising that people run into challenges with money and they tend to blame themselves and assume that they're just bad at it and really it's just that they've never had an opportunity to learn the skills they need to manage it effectively
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense if, it, if it's um they're looking at it in a binary way like being good or bad and then identify with one or the other that that's um that's kind of closing the door isn't it saying oh well, i'm not good at i'm not good with math so i'm mm-hmm. not gonna be good with money where, where do you think some of these beliefs come from i mean when we're born we're little babies we know nothing about money it's just a construct that we're taught right? the our parents, caregivers, and where do you think that that comes from that people would end up believing negative things about money for themselves?
1: Uh, there's a theory that says that everything we've ever heard, seen, and experienced in relationship to, to money influences our ability to earn, hold, and grow it. So as young people, we tend to absorb um, the beliefs of the people around us. Um, And that's true for money and it's true for other aspects of life as well. So if you grow up in a household where money is a source of argument or a source of challenge, then it's not really a big stretch to think that you're going to associate it more on the negative side than the positive side. Whereas if you grow up in a home where money is openly discussed and, you know, strategies are shared for managing money, if it's seen more as a positive thing, then you may have a different mindset towards it. So there's a lot of psychology and money that people don't always pay attention to.
0: That, make, that makes a lot of sense, sir. And I think something on that too, as we're growing up, there's a, there's a point in our lives where we're incredibly impressionable. And as a dependent uh, on our, our caregivers, our parents, you know, we have to believe what, what we see as truth, right? So if, mm-hmm. if we're seeing that, that arguing, whatnot over money, then getting that negative connotation, we're not going to want to pursue that for ourselves, are we? Like, it's just going to bring back up feelings of challenge and discord.
1: Right. Absolutely. Like I grew up in a household where both my parents are really good with money, but they were also born in the 1930s and a generation that wasn't talking about money like it was rude to talk about money. So I grew up hearing messaging about, you know, don't borrow, don't lend, like save. But I never had the theory behind it. So, you know, I thought we were poor growing up because we shopped in secondhand stores and we had secondhand furniture. My parents were just smart. They knew they had three kids who would destroy things. So, <laughs> they didn't buy the good furniture and the nice kitchen until we were all out of the house. But you're like, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" <laughs> I know. As a teenager growing up, you're like, "Why do we have this this old furniture?" They were smart, but you know, we I didn't didn't really understand that my dad actually really had the money thing down probably until I was in my 20s or 30s. And it's like, okay, yeah, now I understand what he was talking about.
0: And it all made sense. But you, know, you didn't have the backstory. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have the context. And no. it's, it's interesting, because it based on what you just said, like your parents may not have looked wealthy, but it sounds like they were being really frugal, which was important, etc. And that 30s mentality growing up through the depression. Mm-hmm. I think that le- that really left uh, an impression on people about uh, about scarcity. So it sounds like they did a great job. And they didn't feel the need to look wealthy. And I think that's one of the other the things that sometimes people get confused about. They see someone that looks wealthy and they think that's what wealth is you know, the fancy car, big watch, all that kind of stuff. But that's not necessarily true, is it?
1: No, I think most of the people that I met as a financial advisor who had a significant amount of money built up, very rarely would you have known that, you know, they didn't look like your stereotypical rich person. They didn't live in a particularly wealthy neighborhood. They didn't drive particularly fancy cars, they didn't have particularly, you know, prestigious jobs that you would necessarily associate with people having wealth. But over time, you know, they followed good principles, and they they built up a decent amount of money. And, and by not having that extravagant lifestyle, it actually makes it easier for you to build wealth because your expenses are lower.
0: That makes sense. And
1: we live in a society where it's very easy to finance everything now. So, you know, back in the 1940s when my parents were growing up, if you lived in a big house and you had a car, then you had to have money because the only way to get those things was to have money in the bank. But nowadays, you just need to have a decent income and a good credit score. And you can live in a massive house and drive multiple vehicles, but you're going to have a lot of payments. But you may not necessarily have any money in
0: the bank. It's yeah, it's, it's looking wealthy, not being wealthy. It's on that, on mm-hmm. being on that treadmill. And do yeah. you see challenges in terms of, I mean, we're such an instant gratification society these days and with social media and just media in general, always showing something aspirational, you know, almost making people feel you're not enough unless you have this mm-hmm. car or you're not enough unless you have this brand of whatever the item is. Um, do you think there's a lot of pressure on young people and people in general based on, everything that's coming from the media to encouraging them that they need to have certain things.
1: Yeah, I think it goes in, there's two parts to it. There's a lot of, we're being presented with a lot of things that we can have or that we should want or that we should need, you know, and, and our human brain, is just naturally, as soon as you see something, you, you get just as excited about the potential of something as you do about actually owning it. And you know we're being marketed very heavily with things um, they did some research with gamblers where they put them in mri machines and they played like those spinning wheels in front of them where you get the seven 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 and they found that the brain responded just as powerfully to the anticipation of that third seven as it did to actually getting three sevens in a row And so we see this a lot of times with retail. You know, if you walk into a retail store, most people, when they walk into a retail store, go right. And so where's all the new merchandise in the store? along the front on the right hand side of the store, whereas all the sales stuff at the back. So you have to walk past all the new good stuff in order to get to the back stuff. Like we are being marketed to through the whole retail experience that we don't necessarily realize. And so we walk in the store and you see that new shirt and you start thinking about how cute the shirt is gonna look. And it's the anticipation of having it that grabs you. You may buy it, but six months later, it's probably still in the back of your closet with the tags on, right? But all they want is the sale.
0: Yeah, it's the the psychology is amazing, and you know they say that um, you know when we there's something that we want, like a goal. Um, it's not the thing we want; it's how we're going to feel about it that we're actually after. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's probably why some of that anticipation kicks in, and they're taking advantage of that. So, that, yeah. again, so we're talking about some of the psychology mm-hmm. of money. So, what are some of the things that uh, we, we need to do or may need to think about as we're engaging with wealth development and things like that, that are some of the most important things to bear in mind. What are some of those thoughts that, that are really going to help us move forward with our wealth creation?
1: Um, well, I would say as a foundation, The idea that everybody has a money blueprint. Um, Mm. T. Harv wrote a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which I would say is probably the one book that literally changed my life. Um, And he talks about some research in there and this idea of the money blueprint where everybody has a money personality. So people tend to fall into, into one of four camps. You might be a spender. You might be a saver. You might be an avoider. Or you might be a money monk, somebody who doesn't feel right about having money when other people don't. So your money personality influences how you interact with money. And then we have a money thermostat. So a point where we're comfortable, a certain amount of money that we're comfortable having in our bank accounts, in our investment accounts, in our savings accounts... When we have less than that amount, we tend to rein ourselves in until we've we built ourselves back up. When we have more, we tend to spend ourselves down until we're back.
0: As opposed to so, doing something to lift the thermostat to get mm-hmm. com- comfortable with the new, the new level.
1: Exactly. That's the that whole so, thing with
0: lottery winners that very often they, they're back down below where they were two, mm-hmm. three years later after winning a lottery because that thermostat is set low, not for the millions, exactly. except for the, where they were. Yeah. Can, you, can you just take us through really quick the, the four uh, blueprints?
1: Uh, Yeah. So the four or many personalities.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. So uh, we start out with the spenders. So spenders love to spend um, sometimes on themselves, sometimes on other people. Um, A a bad place for a spender to be is always in a mall um, because (laughs) there's lots of things that they could spend. Um, And and it's important as I'm going through these, I always tell people, you know, it's not that any of these personalities are good or bad. there's say that there's four phases to change. So the first phase is is awareness, awareness that there is a money personality. Um, The second phase is understanding. So understanding how your money personality impacts the way that you manage your money. And then you can put in place action steps that take you to the results that you need. So when I share the information about the personalities, it's not that everybody should be a saver versus a spender. It's just about awareness. So spenders love to save. They often have challenges with credit cards and lines of credit because often the desire to spend overrides the amount of actual cash that they have in their bank account, makes Mm -hmm. it hard often for saving. Um, Savers are the opposite, they love to save. And you would think that the saver was the ideal money personality, but savers have their own challenges. A lot of savers have trouble spending money on things that They actually need, like they'll walk versus take the bus, or they'll take the bus versus own a car. Um, They also have a challenge when it comes to investing. Savers get very uncomfortable putting their money into mutual funds or other investments. And so they often have large amounts of money sitting in cash, making very small amounts of interest.
0: What's that fee? They also
1: have challenges. Yeah, exactly. It's that fear that they want to protect what they've built Um, and they also have challenges in retirement because they've spent literally decades building up all of this money and now they have to start drawing down on it and that can be very challenging for them. Um, Avoider is my money personality (laughs) so um, avoiders literally just they don't enjoy dealing with money. And I understand as a financial educator and and a financial advisor, that this may seem like a strange money personality, but again, it's about awareness. I know that, you know, looking at my money, looking after my money is not my favorite thing to do. So I automate everything. I have all of my savings automated. I have all of my investments automated. Like I have everything set up so that, I have to pay as little attention as possible to the day-to-day aspects of managing my money because it, it takes, a, I tend to procrastinate pretty hard on doing that. Gotcha. But you've that structured yourself
0: get, to get where I need to be. Gotcha. So you've identified that let's call it weakness or style and yeah. you realize it may not be the best. So you've actually put some structure in place to kind of support mm-hmm. you through that.
1: Okay. Yeah, tell us about exactly. the
0: money monk. That's an interesting one <laughs> the
1: money monk is the rarest personality so in a room of a hundred people I would usually only expect to find two or three money monks maybe um, these are people who just don't feel right about having money when other people don't so they have a hard time putting aside money for themselves when there are family members who they feel might need it more or charities or organizations they feel might need it more um, and so, you know, it can be can be hard for them, but it, it's often that airplane analogy. You know, if you're in an airplane and the oxygen mask comes down, you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help other people. Yeah. And it's the same when it comes to money. You know, building yourself financial security is not selfish. Like you're actually putting yourself in a position where you can be more useful to other people if you have that financial stability and security to be able to offer help down the road.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that probably all of these uh, personalities, again, come back from uh, what people have experienced growing up, right? And that's where they kind of mm-hmm. got that that style from. So, okay, so that's yeah. really interesting. So what are some of the key things that uh, we need to bear in mind as we're looking to develop our wealth? What are your kind of your top strategies to, to be able to move that forward?
1: Um, I always like to say that managing money isn't rocket science, it's pocket science. So it comes (laughs) down to some very simple strategies. Um, Just because they're simple doesn't mean they're easy. Um, And I recognize that for some people, hearing that word wealth is going to be a little bit of a trigger, you know, because people may have some negative associations with wealth, not because they don't want to have money, but because they attach it to a certain kind of person or a certain kind of lifestyle or a certain kind of behavior that doesn't feel like them. Um, and so, so, so it's know, that if I they, if they attract well, just to sip that a little. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Sorry for over overtalking There I had a little delay. No, no, with that's the,
1: okay.
0: Um, it sounds like they're perceiving a wealthy person as being something that they don't want to be like, is that what you're getting at? And so that if they yeah. don't want to be like this, well, in, insert negative adjective greedy yeah. or whatever, if, if that's what they're associating with. So they they don't want to become that. So they avoid dealing or avoid building their own wealth because it's like work to become something you don't want to become.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, if, if you think that money is difficult and complicated and you think rich people are arrogant idiots, then it's not a big stretch to think that you're not going to put a lot of time and energy into something that's difficult and complicated. And you're not going to work your butt off to become an arrogant idiot. So. <laughs> You know, part of my own money journey was just thinking, you know, I never had a driving desire for stuff, right? I never had a big desire to have a fancy house or, you know, take these crazy vacations or have a lot of stuff. I like cars. So yes, the idea of having a nice car is definitely a motivator for me, but all of the other stuff, really not so much. And then somebody said to me, but you can do way more good in the world if you have money than if you don't. And that was my light bulb moment. You know, that was kind of that trick that went, oh, well, that's a reason for building wealth I can get behind. Like I can get behind the idea of building wealth so that I can, you know, help my family so that I can help my friends so that I can invest in charities that. I believe in so that I can have time freedom where I don't have to work but I can take time off to to volunteer or spend time with the people that matter to me so that became my my why that became my driver it's it's never been about the stuff for me for other people it may be about the stuff right and that's fine too everybody's got to have their own motivator but um yeah, those money beliefs can really uh, sabotage you in ways that you're not always totally aware of. That's for sure.
0: I, I think we, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, I think what you just mentioned about having a why is really important, right? Because if there's anything that we need to do that we may perceive as a little bit difficult, um, even if there's a logical benefit to doing it, we may still avoid doing it. But when we have ourselves tied into an emotional reason, that's really what can get us moving, right? It's like you, you like you mm-hmm. said about being able to support others. Um, you know, that's more motivating than getting yourself some more stuff, right? So I think that's a great example. Yeah. Um, what's, your, what's your kind of top money belief uh, that you'd share with folks? The top thing that they, uh, if they believed it to be true, that they would be on the path to creating wealth for themselves more easily?
1: Um, I would say that you deserve to have as much money as you need. And so there's a feeling of deserving, a feeling of value, and and people can take that and apply it to their own situation. So, you know, however much money you need, maybe just enough for for your day to day, or it may be a large amount of money for a legacy, right? Or for philanthropy. So um, you, you deserve to have it and you can have it. You know often it's ourselves that get in the way there's no finite amount of money for people to have you know we see that all the time that you know we have an increasing number of millionaires and billionaires um and sometimes people feel like we have an increasing amount of poverty in response to that but i don't think the two things are necessarily intertwined we need more people to be building more wealth to spread that wealth among our our community and our society like we need we can do far more good in the world if we have money than if we don't
0: well absolutely it's a resource right it's a resource that we can Mm -hmm. use as fuel as a as a tool to to do good isn't it
1: yeah absolutely And and managing money doesn't have to be difficult and complicated. My industry likes to make you think that it is, but it it really doesn't. You know, I I talk about um, managing money being pocket science rather than rocket science. And it it really does come down to some very simple principles. You know, if you want to get started in just building a framework for yourself, that the easiest way to do it is to take a piece of paper, draw a line right down the middle. And on the left hand side, write down all of the money that you have coming in during the month. And then on the right hand side, write down all of the things that you have going out during the month. And then you subtract the two numbers. And if the answer is negative, then there's some cutting or adjusting that needs to be done on that right side of the page. And if the number is positive, then you need to give a purpose to those extra dollars. Like every dollar you have needs to have a purpose. If you don't give it a purpose, it will go find one of its own. (laughs) It will go work for your favorite retail store. It will work for your credit cards. It will go work for your friends, for your family. Like money needs to work. And, And if it's your money, you should be the one that's telling it where it needs to go and who it needs to work for.
0: I think that's I think that's a great message for us to wrap up on there Sarah that you deserve the wealth that you that you want and need and to be intentional give every dollar a purpose and I think that that's really smart because that doesn't leave um, leave any dollars scurrying for the corners right like that you mm-hmm. when you're allocating it and it's going somewhere important and you're you're on the path so well this has been great. thanks so much for for dropping in and uh, for sharing your insights I really appreciate it.
1: you're so welcome
0: okay we'll catch you next time thanks Sarah. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode today. I hope that you found it of value. If you did, please give us a five-star rating. And if you know someone else that might find it valuable, please share. Thanks so much and have a fantastic day.